Welcome to Fucking Cancelled, a podcast about what the left is like, what to do about it, and what it'll be like once we've done it. In today's episode, we talk about how our relationships are affected when we leave the nexus and discuss some strategies for interacting with people who remain believers. Welcome back to Fucking Cancelled. Welcome back to Fucking Cancelled. Dear listeners, it's been a while. Sorry about that. I mean, it's kind of always this way, but... (laughs) We're doing our best over here. Um... Yeah, we have a couple of announcements. Um, I think the the main one is just that I have a new zine out um, that you can uh, you can check out. Um, we're selling it on uh, our fucking canceled big cartel. Um, it's called "Nothing Changes If Nothing Changes," and it's about kind of like the twelve steps and um, what kind of lessons they have for the left. I think, and and just sort of my some thoughts that I've had about. Um, grace and solidarity and similar concepts that have been imparted to me by the 12-step program Mm -hmm. and if you haven't read any of jay's zines yet you definitely should they're one of my favorite writers thank you clementine um so i guess the other thing we wanted to talk about was just our trip we just got back from a trip in europe and we did two fucking canceled events when we were there Mm mm-hmm that was pretty cool. They're really awesome, honestly. Yeah, we just wanted to chat a little bit about it. Um, we went to Brighton and also to England, uh, to England, to, <laughs> to London, um, both in England. Um, and uh, we did two quite different events, but both of them were really cool in their own way. Yeah. So in Brighton, we did like a small um, facilitated community discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the fan who helped us uh, locate space. That was very nice of you. Yeah, our boy Simon. Um, yeah. And we had about maybe 17 people come together and talk about their experiences with cancel culture. And there was like a bunch of canceled people and a bunch of others who were living in fear of cancel culture and just people who wanted to talk about this. And it was actually like a really wholesome discussion. It was really awesome. I was like super happy to be able to bring together people who had been made to think, made to believe that they were completely alone. Yeah. And there was, um, like, connections made. And yeah. my favorite part of the event, the most wholesome part of the event, was that one of the participants asked if we could end with a poem. Yeah. And then read Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. And I'm like... It's a really sweet poem. That fucks me up, man. <laughs> that really fucks me up, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite poems. But, yeah, it felt really good to kind of, like, smash through the isolation that cancel culture imposes on people. Um, And also to just get people together to talk openly about this thing that you're, like, not supposed to talk openly about, even though it's, like, destroying a lot of people's lives for no good reason. Yeah, so that was really nice. And then in London, um, we we did, like, a very different um, kind of event. It was, like, a, a show... Um, at, what was it called? The Under... The Underworld? Underworld. In Camden. In Camden. Um, that was put on and organized by our friend Itch from the King Blues. And it was basically a show 
um, with bands, and then we each read some of our writing, mm-hmm. and it was called Fucking Castle Fest, <laughs> and there was like 400 people there. It was crazy. Yeah, it was dope. It was really awesome. Yeah, it was really cool, and actually, we hadn't listened to the King Blues, um, even though we knew that Itch was organizing the event, and um, we'd obviously heard about them. We hadn't actually listened to the band until we were at the show, and then we were like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, they're like really good. <laughs> they're really know? good. And then we realized they're like a really big deal. Yeah, which um, we didn't know. Which we <laughs> from the UK. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was like an awesome time. We're really happy to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And so, I think we're 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 scheming some like further um, travel plans, like mm-hmm. uh, along the lines of like a tour of or some possibly sort. two tours. Yeah, possibly. So stay tuned for <laughs> for further announcements about that. Just because we had a lot of interest, you know, and we we weren't really expecting it. Like we weren't we didn't even go on this trip like planning to do these events like we went to England for like a totally separate to reason. get matching tattoos from a canceled tattoo artist yeah so that's, that's why I went to, uh, to England um shout out to Danny um <laughs> but yeah and then and then we ended up doing this but yeah like honestly there was a lot of interest and it went really well and we were really happy about it so we're sort of like hmm, I wonder if we could just yeah. kind of do this in a bunch of different cities you and know? like basically you know if you live somewhere and you feel confident like truly confident that you know of a a space that we could access that is, like, you know, either kind of, like, anonymous enough or brazen enough to to host people like us, that they would be willing to host people like us, um, and you feel like you could actually help with organizing something, then get in touch. Yeah. Because really only get in touch if you are serious, though. Yes, please. Because you will flood our <laughs> inbox and then we will get get very overwhelmed. But if you are serious and you're like, no, like I have some connections, like I have like some capacity to help organize this, um, and you'd like us to come to your city, then like do get in touch because we we want to go to places specifically that have people who have some connections and some capacity to help us organize. Yeah, and uh, you can get in touch with us at uh, it's fucking canceled at gmail.com, but the fucking has no U in it because Gmail wouldn't let us. And canceled has two L's. Because we're Canadian. <laughs> um, also, we we do actually sometimes get around to reading our emails. It just takes us a long time. Yeah, because so. we're both really hectic people. We're hectic people who are up to no good. Okay, so Let's, should we get into yeah. our, our meaty topic? Yeah. Not so. meaty, sorry. Uh, full of protein. Yes. Topic. Um. So, yeah. So today we're going to talk about the ways in which... Leaving the Nexus can be an experience similar to leaving a cult or a fundamentalist religion, um, and specifically how the process of leaving, exiting the vampire's castle, maybe you could say, or deprogramming is is a word that we often use for it, mm-hmm. how this process of divesting from cancel culture, like leaving the Nexus, um, impacts our relationships in particular. Yeah. And... I'm just going to jump in super quick and just say, um, for people who might be tuning in for their first time, um, when we say the nexus, we're referring to this kind of like woke world, um, social justice culture, toxic social justice culture kind of like thing that mostly is like happening on social media, but then like leaks into the real world in like very intense ways sometimes and is like really invested in identitarianism and really invested in cancel culture. So that's, yeah. what, that's what we were referring to when we talk about the next. And if you want like a more in-depth explanation of all of that, just scroll back into some older episodes because yeah. we go into a lot of detail. Yeah. Um, yeah, so leaving the Nexus can be very similar to leaving a cult. It can also be kind of similar to getting sober. We've talked about that in a bunch of different episodes, but for the purposes of this episode, mostly we're looking at it through the lens of like 
the similarities to leaving like a fundamentalist religion or a cult. And sorry, yeah, go ahead. Um, there's a lot of people that I have met on the internet who have talked about leaving a fundamentalist religion and then entering the nexus and kind of responding one of two ways. In one case, being like, oh, I feel very comfortable here because this is very familiar. Yeah. Or being like, yo, fuck no, because they worked so hard to get out of that kind of way of relating. Yeah, I mean, cult literature, of which I read a lot recently and for this episode, um, says that people very frequently, when they leave cults, very frequently end up in cults again. because yeah. Or, like, just other groups. They're like, oh, this is a very cool group of very committed people who are yeah. passionate about their cause. And then before you know it, they're like... You know, just in another one. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Like, and honestly, like, it's it's important to know, like, right off the bat that the Nexus, like, I don't think really, like, literally qualifies as a cult. Um, primarily because it doesn't have, like, a charismatic leader figure, you yeah. know? Um, and there's some other differences, too. But there's, like, ways in which that it overlaps a lot with, with cult stuff. And when you read cult literature, you're like, wow, like, this is really checking a lot of boxes here, you know? Um, you know, for example, like, uh, there's a lot of reciting of orthodoxies as an act of faith, you know? Like, you're, you just say things over and over again, even if you know that they, like, might not be true or... And you're not even allowed to question if it's not true. Like, yeah. you're not even allowed to entertain the thought, really, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It feels true. Right. It feels right. It feels right. Yeah. Yeah. It feels um, virtuous. Yeah, and it feels good and, and like like you're on the right side of history or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of searching for sin. Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff in the Nexus that is like a hangover from Christianity. Like, there's definitely some some Christian elements, I feel. Yeah. But this searching for sin and, like, this, like, deep, like, constant practice of, like, scrutinizing your thoughts and actions to, like, look for any place that you might be behaving in a sinful way or, mm. like, a problematic way um, is definitely a similarity. And also that extends to, like, scrutinizing the behavior of others mm. to make sure that they're also staying in line. For sure. And there's, like, this kind of, like, distributed panopticon kind of thing. And there's also, you know, similar to a fundamentalist religion, there's, like, um, no tolerance for doubt, right? Like, it's it's not, like, an unwillingness to debate. It's, like, an inability to debate. Um, you know, a lot of, like, you know, let's say, like, a mainstream Christian or something usually would be, like, sort of happy to, to tell you all about their religion or whatever, you know? Um, and even if you're, like, if you have doubts and you're trying to leave the religion, you know, they might be sort of, like, you know, um, happy to talk to you about it and try to convince you otherwise. But... A lot of the time with, like, cults, like, if you go up to someone who believes in, 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 a, in a cult, who's a member of a cult, and you start, like, um, directly criticizing their beliefs, like, they, they'll freak out. Like, they'll, it'll be an explosive reaction. Yeah, right? and it's, like, an emotional response. And, like, I mean, I've had these conversations many times. I mean, I wouldn't even really call it a conversation because it's, it's like talking to a wall. But people will say to me that, like, cancel culture doesn't exist. For example. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. You know, because it very obviously does exist. And you're talking to someone that it happened to. So it's like, are you telling me that I'm lying? Or that, like, the um, that the, the behaviors, you know, didn't happen? And then, you know, you can... Even if you want to, like, put a pin in, like, you know, the, the name cancel culture, because people always forget about that. It's like, are you actually denying that people are, like, collectively harassed and, like, driven from their communities in this, like, very over-the-top and insane way? Because, like... If you're in this world, like, you've seen it. You obviously know that it's true. But people will just repeat over and over again, like, 
no, because cancel culture isn't real, you know? Yeah. And that's, like, an orthodoxy. And, like, if you push them on it, like, they often get really super mad um, instead of actually trying to, like, engage with what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, like a... You know, a white person like screaming at you that they're racist or something because they that's like an orthodoxy that they're they have to repeat, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh my god, like please, please calm down and stop yelling. Um there's also, you know, the shunning is like a big element of the Nexus. I mean, cancel culture basically is that. Um you know, this idea that there's like an in-group and an out-group and the boundaries between those are like very, very rigid. Um you know, a lot of the time in fundamentalist, fundamentalist religions, you're encouraged to demonstrate loyalty by cutting off contact with, like, the outside world, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes, including, like, your parents and stuff. And, like, we see impulses like that within the Nexus. Like, you know, you'll see, like, these posts that are sort of like, if you go to Thanksgiving and your uncle is racist, you better never talk to him again, yes, you know, yes. or whatever. And it's sort of like, well, maybe you just should remain in that guy's life and have, be, like, an influence on him that yeah. is not racist, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, there's also acts that you're expected to carry out to like demonstrate your faith and your belonging to the in-group. So a lot of this takes place on social media, you know, there's like certain, um, days, like they're like feast days. Yeah. Like (laughs) political days in, in the calendar year about different political topics. And like every time that happens, you're expected to like make a post about it. You know? Uh, which, honestly, like, also, like, if you're listening to this and you, like, were never, like, very deep in the Nexus, this sounds, like, really insane, but, like, I swear <laughs> to God, it's true. It's really that, true. like, when you're, like, really deep in it, like, if it's, like, Trans Day of Remembrance or whatever, yeah. and you don't, like, post about, like, like murder trans people, like, people will get fucking upset. And not just that, but it's, like, I mean, this is more when Facebook was, like, the yeah. the social media of, of the day, but, like, because I used to write these posts, and, like, not only do you have to, like make the post about the day, but you also have to, like, complicate it by, <laughs> by like, bringing in, like, even more, <laughs> right. like, marginalized right, identities right. or, like, ways that this is, like, affects people that you wouldn't necessarily think, you right, know? Right, So it's, like, I don't know, like, on even on days like Mother's Day, which is not technically a political day, you have to make, like, a long post celebrating trans mothers and incarcerated mothers and, like, like... Like people who can't get pregnant, or like people <laughs> right. who are abused who by are their not parents. <laughs> yeah, just like all of that, you know. Yeah. And and so like I would do that, and like a lot of people do that. And then I think now as like you know I'm not a Twitter person, but definitely an Instagram person. It's like you know sharing about political things. People will will be like, I better see you posting about this, right? When there's like something in the news cycle that's going on, right? Right. And you have to do it. And if you don't do it, like that's you're gonna get in trouble. Right. Um. So there's these kind of, like, background actions that you're, like, expected to take to be, like, a good, like, member of the faith or whatever. But also, me and Clementine were talking about how sometimes you might be called on to do things, like, way more intense things, sort of, like, on a random basis, you know? And you just have to do it because you've been told to. Um, And Clementine has an amazing story about one of these instances. I mean, I don't think it's an amazing story. (laughs) I mean, it's... It's a pretty fucked up story, actually. (laughs) Um, So, during my master's degree... Um, when I was deep inside the Nexus and like, you know, super hyper vigilant, super like always making the pose, saying the right things, like trying to, to do the right thing deeply and in my heart of hearts, full of faith. Um, I, there was a prof who was like my supervisor in my master's degree who was a racialized person. And basically, I asked this professor to sign a form for me because I needed it to, like, get into a course. 
and this is the professor's job because the professor was my supervisor. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's literally what their job is as a supervisor is to sign forms like this. But they, they replied to my email by saying that they would be in a faculty meeting um, and that they wanted me to come into the faculty meeting, interrupt it, and basically announce to the faculty meeting that they should hire more like racialized faculty members. Mm. And so, and then they would sign my form, you know? Right. And yeah, I definitely had a mental breakdown about this because like, you know, for identitarian reasons, like this person was racialized and I'm white. And so like they are, according to the rules of identitarianism, like allowed to demand that of me and to me, for me not to do that is like an act of violent white supremacy, basically, or at least like white fragility or like white privilege of some kind, you know? And, but the actual power dynamic is like very clear that this person is my professor and I have to get the fucking form signed for my degree. Yeah, and you're like literally their student. Yeah. And honestly, this was probably because like I hardly ever talked about these things with a therapist, but I mentioned this to the therapist that I was working with at the time, and the therapist was like, "Um, what? Yeah, you know." And like this kind of thing is quite—I mean, that's an extreme example, but like these kinds of things do happen. And you're in a, I did not, for the record, go in and interrupt the meeting. And um, jeopardize your academic career. And also, and yeah, like, like I was way too scared to do that. That sounds really frightening, you know? Um, yeah. And also, like, at the time, I was, like, a super, like, high-key PTSD case with, like, very introverted and quiet and, like, scared of everything. But anyway. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's a, a sort of extreme example. But it can take, you know, other other forms. Like, even just the demand that you, like, take part in a cancellation and, like, publicly make posts about somebody who's being canceled who you may not even know. Things like that. Yeah. Or even, you know, like, being told to, to denounce your friends and this kind of shit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, basically... The Nexus has a lot of similarities with the cult. And, like, when you think about leaving a cult, um, I mean, like, there's, like, entire, like, fields of therapy about this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the kinds of support that people need when they leave a cult. Also, the kinds of support that people need when, like, a loved one of theirs, like, joins a cult, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, all those people need, like, a lot of intense, like, psychosocial services because it's, like, very crazy and, like, jarring, you know? Um, But one of the things that we, you know, the thing that we wanted to talk about today was how exiting or deprogramming um, changes or affects your relationships with people. Um, Because, like, when you start to deprogram from um, some kind of, like, scene that's, like, a cult or fundamentalist religion or, like, a, you know, some sort of, like, very intense, like, like a political cult, you know, Um, um, your personality interests, like, your affect, your beliefs, like, they can change really dramatically as you deprogram, right? Um, You might feel like a whole new person in in a lot of ways, like, your personality really can shift, and you start, you you know, looking at the world in, like, a really different way, and this can be shocking for people around you, but it also can be really jarring for you to start to diverge so dramatically from the people that you used to be surrounded by, right? And to start to, like, kind of, like, see through things that they're doing that that you used to do but like now you're like Mm -hmm. why like why the fuck did i do that like it feels crazy and now i'm watching you do it and you look crazy and like you know now we're like there's this gulf between us you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really weird experience to go through it's really weird yeah um and yeah i mean obviously this like deeply impacts um relationships with people like whether or not you've actually been canceled obviously when you're canceled it's like super dramatic um and there's like a huge severing of relationships but even if you're not canceled you know it's obviously going to affect the way that you're feeling towards 
the people in your life who are still inside the nexus. So you can feel any range of emotions towards them. You might feel fear, (laughs) Um, anger, grief. Um, But also, you know, it's just like, I mean, you might have felt like you couldn't trust them before, but not really have been able to... Or, like, felt like that was bad and wrong of you. Yeah, or not be able to articulate it exactly. Why, like, you didn't trust them? And, like, within, like, the sort of fundamentalist thing, it's, like, if you don't trust them, then that's a problem with you. Right. Because it's, like, if you haven't done anything wrong, then you have nothing to worry about. It's, like, kind of the the logic, right? So, So if you didn't trust them, you'd probably, when you were still inside, you would, like, look inside yourself to keep searching and searching and searching for the sin inside of you. Whereas now, you might just kind of realize your friends are not trustworthy. Right. And then that is, like, a different way of relating to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So basically like there's, there, there's a bunch of different situations that you could find yourself in like vis-a-vis these people, um, when you, when you exit and deprogram, but we're going to talk about three in particular today. Um, and then we're going to kind of like talk about like a, a fourth kind of situation too. But the, the first three that we're going to talk about, um, are basically like people who have like canceled you or shunned you in some way and remain believers. Okay. The second one is people who've canceled or shunned you and then they themselves exit um, and deprogram and then you're like, wow, what the fuck do I do with these people? And then people who either like didn't cancel you or who have apologized for canceling you. So you're kind of like on better terms with them, but they remain believers and you're like, wow, like how do I even know how to interact with you? Um, And yeah, just, you know, for the purposes of this episode, we're kind of talking about you as if you have been canceled out of the nexus. Like Mm -hmm. you used to be part of it. You got canceled. You deprogrammed, you know, basically more or less our path, you know, Um, and I think the the path shared by a lot of people. But uh, yeah, so that's that's the framework that we're going to have. Yeah, we're going to have a more of a focus on people who have been canceled. But I do think this process happens for people who have not been canceled, too, but in maybe a less dramatic way. But in some ways that might be weirder. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. 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 So in the first case, um, like what happens when your friends fucking cancel you and stay in the nexus, right? Like, so obviously this is like an extremely horrible and terrifying and awful situation. Um, it's like almost always like you haven't actually done anything to them. You know, usually you're being canceled for like something that you said or like something you did to someone else or that you're alleged to have done. Um, but like they're, your friends are like punishing you and dehumanizing you and yet positioning you as the cause of their behavior. Right. And they're like, they're denying reality, like that they're canceling you first of all, because they usually deny that that even exists or they cancel culture as a play because they deny that that exists too. So it's this really like bizarre situation where you're, you know, you're being gaslit um, and you're being dehumanized and your like social ties are being severed in like a really dramatic and like painful way. And I would say this was the majority for me. The vast majority, mm-hmm. in fact. Mm-hmm. Almost all. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, definitely, like, when that's happening, like, in the moment, like, you, or I should say, I had, like, no fucking idea how to react. Like, you know, I had all these different feelings cycling through, you know, like, very, very angry, for example. Um, um, you know, huge anxiety, like, all this. So, um, I thought that, you know, with the benefit of a year or two, two years, I guess, of, of cancellation time under my belt. Um, oh my God, we should have chips. <laughs> no, we, should, we should, we should, we should have a two year chip. Um, uh, you know, I have like a little bit more, um, um, serenity about it, I guess I could say. And so I'm in a bit more of a position to sort of talk about what would be useful. 
Um, and also having looked at all this cult, cult um, literature, I also like had took some ideas from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're really likely to have a huge amount of like anger and fear mainly towards these people, right? Um, abandonment and social injury can make us feel like we're in enormous danger, like nervous system firing, like it's really normal to have enormous feelings about it. Um, also it can literally be traumatizing. And I say that knowing what the word traumatizing means, you know, and trying to contact them can be re-traumatizing at worst, you know, um, at best it can feel very unsafe, right? And it is unsafe. I mean... In terms of, like, you know, it's risky. Let's say that. Yeah. It's risky because, you know, trying to reach out and trying to talk to these people who are demonstrating that they're true believers and they are still inside the nexus and they are canceling you, I mean, it's probably not going to go well. For sure. And I mean, like, yeah, we can't say, like, totally unequivocally that you should never try to contact people like this. But bear in mind, like, one, like, they're stuck in a nexus mindset, man. You know, arguing about facts with them will most likely just enrage them or trigger their shun response, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't want to argue about reality um, with you. Like, they, they are kind of incapable, honestly, in my in my experience, you know? Um, secondly, cancel culture encourages them to use your words against you. Like, yeah. you have to assume that anything you say to them can be used against you in the court of cancellation. Yeah, and, and like... And very likely might be. And, like, little quick pro tip for the canceled among us. It's like, if you are going to try to have these conversations which I don't necessarily think is a great idea, but if you're going to try, maybe try to do it over the phone yeah. or in person. Yeah, because... <laughs> that like, shit is getting screenshotted. Yeah, exactly. Screenshots you know? are, yeah, a big thing. Um, and also, you have been marked as dehumanized. Yeah. Like, through the logic of cancel culture. So their empathy towards you may be more or less completely turned off as a result of this. You know, this is something that um, the Nexus really shares with some of the scarier fundamentalist religions, you know? And it's, like, pretty fucked up because it's, like, people who, you know, you love often, you know, people who you trusted, like, in whatever way you were able to trust them inside the Nexus, people who you used to, like, share, like, intimacy with, you know, suddenly treating you, like, like, with complete coldness Mm -hmm. is, like, really a crazy experience to go through. And to have people just totally cut you out, ostracize you, and then act like you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And saying like crazy shit about you and like just participating in like this, this, this fucking circus. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, you know what? In most cases, probably best to just leave these people alone. Yeah. Um, you know, if possible, it's, it can be good to let them know that you would be a safe person to talk to if they ever do exit in the moment, they'll probably either not respond to that or react with anger. Um, but it can be all right to plant a seed if you feel, feel safe doing that. I've definitely done that with a couple of people. I mean, I always leave with a bitchy comment. <laughs> what? <laughs> is, is that your, your advice? I al- no, what, listen. <laughs> okay, okay. I always leave with a bitchy comment where I say, um, like something like, like I'm here if it ever happens to you. Right. You know, where I'm like. Like, let me know, like, how that goes for you and, like, when, right. they, when they come for you. Like, when your friends inevitably abandon you. Yeah, like, like you you fucking got my number, man, so. Yeah. Um, because you're in danger. Yeah. So, basically, you know, the strategy here, if there is a strategy, is you're basically, like, you're you're divesting, but you're also, like, if you want, you know, you're basically, like, waiting 
for people to eventually sort of like wake the fuck up. Yeah. You know, but don't hold your breath. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't, you can't be doing this in a way where you're sort of like obsessing about it because you'll go absolutely crazy. And like, honestly, since being canceled and losing almost all of my relationships, two people have apologized Yeah, out of like, I don't know how many, you know? So it's like, and that's been like two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I don't like, I don't really see it as very likely um, that many of them will, but who knows, you know? And I'm always like, if people demonstrate to me that they're trustworthy, like, and like are willing to apologize for shit that they did, like, I'm definitely very willing to like have that conversation. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you know, just to say that basically if you're in this position where you're kind of like waiting for people to snap out of it, like, yeah, like first, you know, don't hold your breath. Um, you need to be kind of like emotionally like distant from it. And if you need to cut them out emotionally, like that's completely fine and normal too. Um, because like one of the, one of the problems with this, um, is that it can really feel like these people have died, you know, but there's no closure. There's no funeral. You know, they're still out there walking around. Yeah, they're definitely not dead. Right? But, but like, your social relationship with them is, like, severed, you know? So it's, like, you'll have, like, all the grief of, like, like basically, like, a dead friend, you know? Um, but with, like, a bunch of, like, added pain on top. It takes an emotional toll, you know? So definitely, as with many, many um, subjects related to cancel culture, get a therapist. Definitely. Okay, so the next um, category is friends who have canceled you and then they later exit. So this is a situation where, um, you know, actually it's a situation that a lot of people message me about because Mm -hmm. people are constantly telling me that their cancelers are sharing my shit on Instagram Mm -hmm. and are posting anti-cancel culture shit, Mm -hmm. but canceled them and also have not done anything to sort of like make repair or apologize or so on and so forth. So it seems that this is actually quite... Like relatively common. It's a pretty common one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's very normal to feel super fucking resentful towards these people. People message me all the time and are like, it's fucking crazy because they're like, yo, the Clementine morning Instagram is my safe space, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And like, what the hell is going on here? There's cancelers. And like, I understand that, you know? And, um, I've even seen a situation once where a a canceled person started putting their canceler on blast. Mm. in stories mm. they started making a series of stories and tagging me in it right so i saw it right, right, right. and they were basically trying to like cancel their canceler from an anti-cancel culture perspective right. like they were being like you're a hypocrite everybody can see what you're doing like you have destroyed my life and now you're just like posing this shit and like you know i don't recommend that um and it, and it sucks, but it's like, you know, taking the high road and being in your integrity is definitely the better choice in the long run, you know, and, and taking actions that are out of alignment with your integrity just because somebody else is being a hypocrite is actually, unfortunately, only going to make you a hypocrite too, you know? Um, so I don't recommend it, but I also empathize with it and I can understand why you would feel so crazy because it's like really fucked up for people to sort of like be done with cancel culture now and they're like too cool for that or something yeah but like they haven't done anything to like clean up the wreckage of their past for sure and like obviously like when this happens when you let's say someone cancels you and then you see them divesting from cancel culture in some way and they like you're you're, like it's very obvious that you would desperately want them to apologize to you you know because that would start to repair some of the like very deep like pain that you've experienced and you know you would feel like a sense of justice um and also maybe it would allow you to like start to repair a relationship that might once have been important to you as well um but yeah like 
apart from just people being like, you know, shallow and kind of annoying or whatever, like there's some reasons why this might be complicated, yeah. right? Like, first of all, they're not always going to understand the ways that they might have hurt you, right? Like, first of all, if they're currently like exiting from the nexus, they might be more focused on the ways that they've been hurt or the ways right. that they feel hurt, right? Yeah. Because like when, as we've discussed, like when you exit the nexus, it can be like very fucking weird and like, you know, uh, destabilizing. Yeah, and like they might have got canceled in some way that you don't know about or like... They might just be deprogramming for other reasons, but yeah. Yeah, and there can be a lot of grief in general when you deprogram because you're like, holy fuck, like, what do I even believe in anymore? Like, what, what was I was like wasting my time? Yeah. Like, you know, what was I doing with my life? Like, who, who am I? You know? Yeah. And so people might be caught up in this kind of shit. Um, and yeah, like going over actions that they took while they were in the nexus might be difficult for them. You know, like yeah. they might be in this period of confusion and it, it takes time to deprogram. Yeah, and also I think it's important to say as well that just like with any other situation, you know, we maintain that it isn't possible to hold someone accountable or to make them be accountable or to make them take responsibility, right? And so it's like these things do take time Mm. and it's like a process that people have to go through to actually get to a place where they can like reflect on their behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, obviously you might strongly be like, yo, I'm owed an apology here, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and often also some actions of repair. But... Just because that person does owe you that doesn't mean that that they're ready to give it to you. Yeah, you know? definitely. So also, people's deprogramming might uh, take place in kind of like a patchy way. You mm-hmm. know, like not not like what's the word I'm looking for? Like not um, evenly, right? Um, so like they might be deprogramming in one area where they might be like, yo, like actually like all this like really intense identitarian stuff doesn't really like I don't really vibe with it anymore um or they might be like wow like the way that this shit plays out on social media is like really crazy and I like, don't want any, anything to do with that anymore like I don't want to be like told that I have to post certain things uh-huh. whatever you know so they might be like going through that but you know the, the beliefs that they might have about like cancel culture you know beliefs about sort of justice and holding people accountable and all this kind of stuff like might be one of the last things that they're deprogramming yeah. about, you know, and this, this could very well be the case. And so like, you know, in the logic of cancel culture, canceled people are, um, they're marked, right? Like they're, there's like an extreme amount of prejudice against them that yeah. is being like actively sort of like amplified by cancel culture. Yeah. Like that's like kind of the whole point of it. Right. Yeah. And so that might be one of the last things to go. So they might be, they might be retaining prejudice towards people who are canceled. Yeah. And also there's another kind of layer to this where, People will be like, yeah, like, fuck cancel culture and, like, support cancel people. But then they'll be like, but not like that, you know? Mm. So it's, like, depending on what the accusations are in the cancellation. Um, And so I think we've seen this many times where people will be really on board with the things that we're saying, but then, like, draw the line when the accusation is something about abuse or something that is, like, more serious, you Mm know? Mm. Um, And so they are fine with, like, dehumanizing those people. Or they may not be, like, willing to accept the possibility of false accusations. Um, Right. So there's, like, a a bunch of different ways that this can play out. But, like, it's definitely happened where there's people who are, like, super down, like, with the work that we're doing. And then once they realize that we're, like, extending this grace and compassion to, like, all canceled people, including ones who have been accused of some serious shit, they're, like, fuck. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Because they want to be, like, the good canceled. Yeah, basically, for sure. And so basically, I don't know, it's kind of like a case-by-case basis with this shit, you know, because on the one hand, like, these people might currently, like, really need community. If they are, like, deprogramming from this shit, they might have lost a lot of friends, da 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 So if you feel safe doing it, it's good to be a safe person for them to talk to, right? Like, if you can fill that role, that's a really useful role. 
But, you know, if you're not sure if they're a safe person for you to talk to yet, like, that's fine. It's really fine. You know, trust your instincts. It's okay to let some time pass, you know, like this shit can take time for people to like really like work through all this stuff. And it's also okay to have boundaries, man. And, um, I don't know. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, with, with sobriety shit, you know, if you had like a buddy, you get sober, they're still in active addiction for a long time and then they get sober, you know, they might be in the first like little while, they might be sort of like on this like really intense, like pink cloud or whatever, like where they're sort right. of like, they're trying to like apologize to everyone and make amends and they're like turning their life around or whatever. Right. And you might be like, yo, like I remember when you like came over to my house and fucking like stole like a bunch right. of shit from me and like puked in my bed and then like try to fight me or something, you know? <laughs> right. And, and so like I currently like don't, want to be around you like yet you know right. and I kind of want to see how this plays out a little bit before I try to like rekindle our, our relationship you know and that's like a totally alright boundary to have with someone who's done something directly um, like like hurtful to you or whatever um, and by the same token with this kind of thing like I think it's like really fine to have boundaries yeah I think if it were me I would be direct I think I would message them mm-hmm. and just be like hey I see that you're doing this I wonder if you have given any thought <laughs> yeah. to the way that you treated me yeah. um, and how that aligns with what you're currently thinking about. And I would do it in a nice way, like maybe not nice, but like like boundaries and assertive, but not mean, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, um, And just sort of like... It's like I, neutral. Yeah, like I'm aware that you're doing this. I see that. That's great. But like also, yeah. And this stuff always reminds me of that part in the big book where... Um, it's like talking about people in early sobriety, like the pink cloud thing, and it's like, it's like a guy coming out of the, um, like the shelter, like underground shelter after a tornado, right, right. and he comes out and like everything is like completely fucked up and like everything is broken all around him, and he's like, "Gee, ma, ain't it grand that the wind stopped blowing?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good little, good little parable. <laughs> Um, okay, so the next thing that we wanted to talk about is friends who didn't cancel you, or if they did, they apologized for it, but they remain believers, mm-hmm. and they remain inside the nexus. This mm-hmm. is one of the weirdest ones of all. Yeah, it's definitely, like, one of the most complicated and, and potentially the most painful. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's not the most painful. The most painful is the ones who just hate you indefinitely. Yeah. And just treat you like you're evil. Yeah. I think so. For me anyway. It's maybe it's just like a different kind of flavor of crazy making, you know? Yeah. It's definitely crazy making. With this, it's like I have more it activates more of my compassion for them and concern for them. Whereas like the other one, it's activates my like fight response. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> Totally. Because, yeah, like, so with, with people like this, you know, they're, like, buddies of yours or, like, people who you're at least on good terms with who just, like, remain in the nexus, you know. It's, like, really intense, man. You can have a lot of grief for them, you know. I, I found that with myself, you know. Like, um, like a sense of, like, loss and stuff because you're, like, I don't know. Like, on one level, you're, like, yeah, like, I'll never be able to have, like, a sort of, like, equal relationship with this person in a certain way because you can't talk to them about stuff because they fucking lose their minds, you know. And, like, that's, that's like, a... A loss, you know, like that's that's like a that's a barrier on your relationship, and that can really suck for sure. Yeah, and like there is this element of like threat, yeah, um, that is like hovering in the air at all times because it's like 
if they truly are saying these things and like repeating these things and then you don't know if they're going to cancel you at any moment. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing. So it's a little bit weird. Um, I don't think that there's a single person who remained in my life who didn't cancel me, but was still like a believer. Hmm. Because it's like, it would be so hard to remain in the nexus and be a believer and remain friends with me mm-hmm. because my cancellation was so spectacular. Yeah. A couple of people who apologized though. Two. Yeah. Well, and one of them exited. Right. So only one is, is this, but, um, but yeah, that's more where I relate to this, but, um, but yeah, it's super weird. Um, and I think that, you know, we can definitely have empathy for people who are caught up in it. Um, it's really difficult to see someone, you know, because I think with the, the apologizing thing, what's, what's crazy is it's like, you kind of get a relationship back that you lost and that feels like really, it's rare when that happens. And it's so important because it's someone that you really love and like they come back, Mm -hmm. but then it's crazy to watch them actually remain inside and to see all the shit that's happening to them and to see them like saying things, you know, doing all the things that we were just talking about, like making their stating their orthodoxies, doing their performative rituals, like, you know, constantly like, like scrutinizing themselves and like pointing out the ways in which they are bad and like groveling and like letting other people cross their boundaries and like just totally acting in ways that are giving away their agency and that are actually quite disrespectful to themselves. Um, it's really painful to watch someone that you care about, um, behaving in that way. Yeah. And like, usually, you know, on some level how they feel because you've been there. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at least in my case, like I remember sort of like being like kind of scared of my friends all the time. Like my nervous system firing constantly whenever I would like read anything, <laughs> you yes. know, um, you know, just, just feeling really like worthless and sort of being like, yeah, you know, like just obsessing about my identity categories and, and all this kind of shit, you know? So, I, you know, if you remember how that feels and you see your friend like in that, in that state, like it can be very, you know, it can really pull on your heartstrings. And yeah, there's parallels with sobriety stuff too. Again, you know, it can be it can be difficult to be sober, um, and watch people in active addiction. You know, yeah. doing the kinds of things that people in active addiction do. You know, like it's rough. And like, not everyone not everyone gets sober. Not everyone can. Not everyone wants to. And that's you know, it is what it is. But like, it can just be very difficult to like watch people do that, right? And and I see some parallels there for sure. You know, like watching somebody hit rock bottom again and again and again. And yeah. Just being like, man, like I really wish that like I knew how to like help this person, but it's like really it can be difficult, you know. And one of the things that's the craziest about it for me is like when you're in the nexus, like the impulse is to be like as nexus as possible because mm. like that's the way to keep yourself safe. Mm. So you keep upping the ante of how nexus you are <laughs> and you keep like becoming more and more intense about it and like surrounding yourself with people who are more and more intense, mm. you know? And it's like that gives the um the illusion of safety at the time because it feels like, you know, if I sort of make the posts with that are the most complex and that pull out the things that no one would ever suspect would be relevant. Um, that, that, you know what I mean? Like that somehow this is going to protect you because you're like ahead of it, you know, you're yeah, keeping yeah. ahead of it and you surround yourself with other people who are doing that, you know, but it's like, you are in so much fucking danger, yeah. you know, yeah. because it's like one fucking thing and you're done and you don't know when it's going to happen. And so like, it scares me a lot because I see people investing, 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 investing in this and like doing their performative like politics online. And I'm just like, you, this is not making you safer. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, if the person has demonstrated enough, like, compassion towards you and enough loyalty towards you that they either were unwilling to cancel you or they apologize for canceling you, then I do think that's a positive sign. For sure. You know, and I think that takes a lot of fucking courage, especially if they are still deep in it. Like, yeah. holding that contradiction must be insanely hard for them. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it takes a lot of courage. So, you know, I think that it, at least for me, I would probably want to try to be someone in that person's life to the best of my ability, yeah. but in a very, very boundaried way. Yeah. Um, I would want to um, kind of be an example for them of like a different way of being. Um, and I would, yeah, I would still want to keep that door open. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, you know, if you're in a situation like this, you still have to be boundaried and be careful and be aware that anyone inside the Nexus might be manipulated into turning on you. Um, anyone who's in the Nexus is demonstrating that they have difficulty thinking for themselves Anyone in the Nexus um, can have their life destroyed overnight. And so they may be willing to do whatever it takes to not have that happen. And so basically what it means is that people who are in cults or fundamentalist um, groupthink kind of situations are not trustworthy, you know? Unfortunately. Um, They say and do things that are sometimes very difficult to understand from the outside, although Mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense when you're inside it. Yeah. And they also are in like a worldview that encourages them to basically sacrifice the people closest to them as a demonstration of their loyalty to the in-group. Yeah. So like, you know, hopefully that's not going to be you. And in this case, you know, in this example, the person has demonstrated that they are not doing it to you. So that's good. But that could always change. Yeah. So. Totally. But yeah, like you might be really, you might be excited about the prospect of helping this person deprogram, right? And that would make sense because they've already demonstrated that there's like, there is some little chink in the armor yeah. there, you know? Yeah. There's like, there's like a... There's a crack in the door. There's a crack in the door. There's there's a way that you might be able to get through, you know? Um, and it, it's exciting to, you know, to think about that, um, especially if it's somebody that you had like a cool relationship with at one point and you want that back. Um, so yeah, like, like we just said, like it's good to be careful about that kind of thing. But I think that it is actually possible to help people deprogram though. Um, this... You know, this could go for people in in a bunch in, in a range of different sort of relationships to the nexus. But um, here's some stuff that I found in like anti cult literature. Basically, mm-hmm. um, the first thing is just that like trying to convince them directly can be very explosive. Mm-hmm. Like being like, you know, in the case of like a cult, being like the cult leader is like a fucking like you know predator who like preys on people and like makes you fucking crazy and uses mind control. They'll be like, no. Um, you are clearly doing the work of Satan by, you know, criticizing him, right? And, like, in the case of, like, the Nexus, obviously it has its own sort of, like, take on that, but it's, like, a similar kind of thing. Yo, you know what I just realized? What did you realize? Because we were just talking about this, obviously, before we started recording, and I didn't realize then, but I realize it now. This advice for how to help people leave cults is literally the same, and it maps onto the advice for how to help people leave an abusive relationship. Mm, mm-hmm. It's the same. Because it's it's basically like it's, I mean, it's, it is an, it's an abusive relationship. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like know? it's just with like a, a group instead of with a person. But yeah. the same thing happens with domestic violence. If you if someone's in an abusive relationship and you tell them like you know this this guy is a piece of shit, like he's not treating you right, like you got to get out of there. 
that's going to drive them towards him. Mm. It's not going to actually make them want to leave because they're going to be defensive, you know, and, yeah. and they're going to be like, you don't know him like I do. And it's, it's not allowing for like the complexity of emotions that people have in a situation like that. Because like, whether you're talking about an abusive relationship or a cult, it's like, it's not all bad for the people inside. Mm. There's many things that they like about it. There's many good things that they enjoy. There's a feeling of belonging. There's often a lot of love, Purpose, you know, and, and so on. So it's like, it's not all bad. And so to just sort of, talk about it in this very like two-dimensional way is going to make them latch on to the things that are positive right Mm -hmm. and then like the the next point here is that it's like it's better to encourage people to think for themselves right and i think that this is so important because it's like you're not trying to substitute your own authority for the cults or like the abusers you know yeah you're trying to encourage this person to develop their own authority yeah and so because these people you know whether it's like somebody in an abusive relationship or someone in a cult like they already have like given away their power and they've already given away their agency and their ability to think for themselves so i mean who wants to just sort of do that again with somebody else, you know? Totally. It's interesting because a lot of the literature that I was looking at is yeah. actually put out by, like, mainstream Christians. Right. Um, who are like, what to do if your, like, son or daughter joins some, like, wacky fucking cult, you right. know? Um, and, you know, Christians obviously would be invested in trying to get this person to come back into their right. their mainstream church, right? Um, but in the literature, like, very explicitly over and over again is, like, don't tell them to come back to the church. Ask them how they feel about what's going on in their wacky cult, you know? Um, because like, yeah, like trying to get them just being like, oh, you should be a Methodist again or whatever, yeah. like, isn't, it's not going to cut it because yeah. there's a reason why they left, you know? Yeah. Um, and also like you just said, you're sort of like forcing them and you're trying to like, you're pressuring them or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's, it's much better to be like, yeah, like what, what do you actually think? What do you actually want? Yeah, exactly. And, and bring it back to like you again and again and again. Yeah. And like, yeah. Encouraging people to like to decide for themselves, like, what they believe and what is true for them. Yeah. And, like, I've had, like... It's it's funny because, you know, before, like, years and years ago, like, I... I, I don't know, I had this kind of, like, role, I guess, like, in... I'm, I'm trying to think about the best way to say this, but I had, like, a kind of role in the community or, like, in, 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 <laughs> in my, like, in my, like, extended social groups where I was, like, not, like, super canceled yet. I was, like, a little bit, like, bad news or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you know, I... You know, people talked to me. Yeah. Um... And a lot of people would come to me with yeah. their, like, doubts, yeah. you know? And we would, like, I would just be, like, in these, like, one-on-one situations with people and they'd be like, man, like, yo, this fucking, did you see this thing, like, on, in the, the like, queer Facebook housing group where, like, yeah. somebody was like, blah, 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 you know? And I'd be like, yeah, like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And people were like, I don't know, man. It's, like, a little fucked up, you know? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah. It's a little fucked up, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, like, I feel like that, that role is, like, a good, a good kind of role to be in to help people sort of, like, just, like, work through some of their doubts with someone who they know isn't going to, like, fucking blow up with them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, just, like, offering, <clears throat> like, friendship, love, and connection, um, yeah. you know, to the best of your ability, which obviously is complicated um, because, like, we, we, when we were talking about this before, I was like, you know, people who are exiting more traditional types of cults are not necessarily as risky to you, the person who's trying to help them deprogram. But you were saying in some cases that is the case? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's, like, a history of a lot of, like, these cults, like, um, going after people who exit. Um, like the people who help them exit? Yeah, but, I mean, it, like, in this case, like, you would be, you, you exited, right? So you're, like... 
I guess so. You know? Yeah. And also a lot of the time the people who do interventions on like ex-cult members are ex-cult members, right? So yeah, right. It's, it's the same thing where they'll do things like they'll uh, file like 10 fucking like false re- police reports against right. you okay. or, or shit like this. You yeah. Know? Because Scientologists are big on this kind of thing. Right. Like, yeah. Anyways. So yeah, because that's the thing. It's like when you're trying to help someone exit the nexus, you might be trying to offer like this like unconditional love that is like recommended for helping people exit cult like situations, but it's hard to offer unconditional love to someone that you're fucking scared of. Yes. You yes. Know? And I think that it's like important to remember that and acknowledge that, that like the fear of people who are inside the nexus is like legitimate because they have demonstrated that they will behave in ways that could like annihilate whatever you have left of your life. Yeah. And it's like, and also they're like wirelessly connected to like a scary hive mind. Yeah. And so <laughs> like what, What I would say with this kind of stuff, and I think we've talked about this in other episodes a lot, but it's like, you will be much more effective doing this work when you have fully divested and have a life outside of the Nexus. Because when you actually have your own full, robust life outside of the Nexus, they can't annihilate you anymore. Like, they can can put you on blast again, and it's gonna suck, Mm -hmm. but, like, they can't take everything from you because once you build, like, real trustworthy relationships with people who are not inside then you cannot lose those relationships due to another cancel campaign. Yeah. You know? And so you're much more insulated from it. But still, I would be careful. Like, I think there's a way to be, like, loving and, like, supportive and to offer, like, connection while still being boundaried and being aware of the risk. Yeah, totally. And there's this one quote that I just, like, stole from some website about cults. This says, um, I really liked it, so I just, like, wrote it down. It says, focus on small, strategic, meaningful interactions that communicate unconditional love and provide space for the loved one to express doubts and fears. The aim is to restore the authentic self. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, providing space, like, trying to be, like, a positive influence, not, like, you know, directly criticizing people's beliefs um, and just sort of, like, being like, oh, hey, look, like, I'm just existing um, outside of this cult and I'm happy and like, I'm okay. And like, you know, I'm not a bad person. And so, and just, just that set of facts, like all by itself is like enough to sort of like crumble a lot of the cult logic that people are caught up in, both in like actual fundamentalist religions, but also like with in the nexus, you know, and actually like a lot of people that I've talked to um, who talk about their story of coming out of the nexus. Often there's a figure who, they meet, you know, um, I'm thinking of one person in particular who like met, you know, just like this guy who was like, you know, not, not some like really intense, like culty, like Nexus leftist. He was just like some dude, but he was like a really nice and like genuinely like moral and like just like ethical and like thoughtful kind of person. And they're like, Oh shit. Like maybe, maybe my idea of like what is like ethical and moral that is like all sort of like tied up with this nexus stuff is actually like bogus if this man who's just this random man can be such a like good right person you know what i mean so that it makes you start sort of questioning things which honestly brings me to like the last point but i think i just want to say one more thing about this that i just thought of so basically one of the things that is different about um the nexus from other cults and I'm not a cult expert so maybe there's some other cults that do this they're probably actually I think there are um but a lot of cults are religious right Mm -hmm. and like the nexus in many ways operates like a religion but it pretends that it's politics Right. right and so one thing that I have found 
helpful. And so it's, it's a little bit different from what we've already been saying. But I think when people really believe that what they're doing is politics and like if they believe that they are like a leftist and this is how you fight for the liberation of like marginalized people or something. And right. that's a very deeply held value for them. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do think is helpful is, you know, depending on the context, obviously, and if the person is open to it, is exposing them to a diversity of leftist thought. Yes. Because yes. I think that like a lot of people, you know, they're basically like, well, then what? We're not supposed to care about trans people? We're not supposed to care right. that racism exists? Right. Like, you just want me to stop caring about this? Right. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to stop caring about this. I think it's great Those that you care about that. Those are important things to care yes. about, yeah. It's just that the way that you are caring about it is a bit frightening. Totally. And is actually, in many ways, actively kind of doing the opposite of what you think it is doing. Um, in many cases, it's like reproducing racism and it's reproducing situations that fuck over trans people. Right. And it's, it's like, it's not doing what you think it's doing. And oftentimes it's literally doing the, it's, it's doing the thing that you don't want to be doing, Yeah, yeah. but whatever, like you don't have to bring it to, to them confrontationally like that, but you could just be like, Hey, have you heard of this thinker? Have you listened to this podcast? Have you like, you know, listened, have you ever heard of this whole lineage of thought, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like start exposing people to different ideas. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's, like, really shocking because the Nexus does such a great job of, like, repressing that. And pretending that it is the left. Yeah, and that, like, nothing else exists and that anything else that exists is, like, immediately right-wing. Yeah. You know, and, like, immediately harmful and offensive. And they will say this about, like, literal, like... Socialists. Socialists, (laughs) like, you know, like, organizers with, like, multiple marginalized identities or whatever, you know, and they will just, like, silence them. And so, like, actually showing people that these ideas do exist and, like, not telling them, like, what to think, but being like, look, like, there's a range of thoughts for you to explore, you know? And I think that that can kind of take some of the power away from the Nexus because it's it's filling a role for people that people want to feel like they're doing something political that is in in alignment with their ethics and their their principles. It reminds me of um, one of those stories that I was reading, which was, yeah, like this guy who was, he was a member of um, the Moonies, which is like the Unification Church, is like this like wacky, like South Korean, like kind of fascist, like cult. Um, And so he's a member of that. And he basically, his parents kidnapped him. Well, this was like in like the seventies and back Apparently back in the, so this is like totally on the side, but apparently back in the day in the states, judges would grant like one one week um, conservatorships to parents who said that their children were in cults. So you're just allowed to kidnap your your oh, your adult child um, in order to like deprogram them, and then like you had one week only, and then like it was over That's or whatever. Crazy. Yeah, they stopped doing that because there's like obvious like ethical problems with this. But anyways, his parents did this to him, so he got like kidnapped, and he was just like in this like van. <laughs> you know? um, but they, they brought him to like basically an intervention, and there was like these ex moonies there, so people who had been right. in that cult. Um, and what they said to him was that they were like. I left that group because it was bringing me, like, further away from God. Right. Like, I didn't stop believing in God. Right. I want to be, like, closer to God. And, like, what was happening in that group was that I was worshipping, like, this guy. Exactly. You know, and his, like, weird, like, family instead of yeah. God, which is, like, the whole point of all of this, you know. Yeah. And, and so that was, like, a way that they sort of, like, broke through to him. Yeah. Like, one of the ways, you know. Um, because obviously he had these like in, you know sincere and intense like spiritual beliefs, right? Yeah. So yeah, it just like maps on perfectly to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, like yeah, it maps on to what they say in twelve step groups, um, particularly in AA, I think, 
um, which is um, just the saying attraction rather than promotion. And basically that is why AA does not go around trying to get people to join AA. Yeah. You know, like we don't have fucking um, parades where we like tell people they have to join. Like we don't stand on like street corners, like yelling at people that they have to join. We don't like go to bars and fucking like tell people they have to stop drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the primary means by which AA grows is just by, um, or like 12 sub groups in general is just that people who are in those groups stop using or drinking or whatever it is and learn to live like a good and healthy and happy life. Um, and through that example, attract people to them because, you know, if you're really deep in like your misery and you notice that like an old friend of yours is like doing really, really well and you're like, what is going on with you? And like, basically how are you doing so well? Like last time I saw you, you were like lying in a gutter, you know? And that person is like, well, I started going to these meetings that is like a good way to attract that person because you're not telling that person what to do. Exactly. And like people hate being fucking told what to do, man, you know, in all sorts of circumstances, people hate being told what to do, you know, and particularly in this, it's the same fucking thing. Like you can't fucking force people to do it. Yeah. You can't like directly attack their beliefs, you know? And if if you go to someone who's actively using and you're like, fuck you, your drinking is fucking everything up and like you're whatever, like they'll be like, go fuck yourself. You know, like it's like 100% of the time. That's how how it works. Right. That's going to be you, right? And so, yeah, I don't know. This, like, attraction rather than the promotion thing, I think, is, like, also really useful for this this kind of shit. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it maps on quite well to everything else we've been saying. So the last thing that we wanted to talk about, it's kind of like a fourth category that I added in because, to me, I feel like this is the category that affects me the most. Mm. Um, but basically, the thing that is different about the Nexus from other fundamentalist groups or cult-like groups is that it's super fucking mainstream now. It's super fucking hegemonic, if I may use that word. Um, It's reached a a level, like, we've talked about this before, where it's, like, it used to be, like, super niche, you know, maybe at your local anarchist fair or, like, deep inside queer world, you would find people who were really, really... You know, into this shit. shit. But now it's like fucking really reached a level where it's super fucking mainstream. And so you might run into it fucking anywhere. Like your boss might be super nexus. You know, your coworkers might be super nexus. Um, Family members might be super nexus. Also, dating apps full of nexus. Yeah. You know, like if you're trying to like meet new people. Especially if you're queer. Especially if you're queer. Oh, yes. Yes, sorry. I sometimes forget about. Heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> About straight world. Yes, especially if you're queer. Um, if you're queer, it's like very, very fucking likely that tons of people around you are going to be like this. Yeah. But it's spreading too. Yeah. You know, it's definitely spreading into straight world too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it creates this situation where say you've left, you maybe were dramatically canceled in a horrifying way. Or say you just deprogrammed and you're like, okay, I'm done with this. And you change your life. You start building new relationships. You, and if, especially if you were canceled, you're probably really fucking triggered by Nexus stuff. It's like high key triggering. Yeah. And it's scary because it's like a warning sign that maybe you're in danger. Um, And so like for me, one of the things that has been like the most difficult um, post cancellation is that I don't know how nexus someone is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you might meet someone and they're queer, say, and they are doing and saying queer subcultural things and, like, saying things that are, like, pretty normal now and, like, pretty mainstream, um, but 
are also like coming out of the nexus. They're like nexus orthodoxies that this person is saying, right. but that doesn't mean that the person is like deep inside of it. Yeah, it just means that like they're in the fucking world and they're like on social media stuff up from and Instagram, they're like yeah, yeah, and people are just saying this shit around them and they also you know like they think that this is how you be like a good person or you how you fight oppression or whatever. Yeah, and so one of the big things for me has been like how do you fucking discern how deep in someone is. Yeah. And I think this is like the great perplexing question for canceled people and deprogrammed people because, you know, maybe it's also just because I have PTSD, but it's like, I don't want to build relationships with people that I can't trust. Yeah. I only want to spend my time building relationships with people who fundamentally oppose this shit. Yeah. You know, who do not believe in dehumanizing people who do believe that I'm allowed to think for myself and be friends with whoever I want. Totally. You know? And so it's really, it can be really scary sometimes because, you know, you want to meet new people, you want to expand. And like, especially after, you know, maybe just losing everyone in your life, you have to kind of rebuild. Yeah. And I remember like in early cancellation days, you know, going on Tinder and like trying to go on dates and stuff. And just be like, how the fuck do I navigate this conversation of being like, how do I say this? And like, how do I let this person know what I yeah. think about these things? You're so like, how scary are you? Yeah. And how much <laughs> are you going to hate me? Like when the conversation takes this turn, you know? Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but I, I tell it often, but it's basically like. I started to use the fact that I have this podcast as a way of like kind of like weeding people out. Yeah, I do you know? too. Because I'll just bring it up and see how they respond to it. And then yeah. that's a great sign to see like how much they can like handle that I think this way, right? Yeah. And so one time I was on a date with this girl and it was going well and she was cute. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to have the conversation. And so I brought up the podcast and I was like, yeah, I have a podcast. And she was like, what's it about? And like cancel culture. And she's like, oh, like, what do you mean? like cancel culture and I was like yeah cancel culture and and then she was like oh like and then she basically told me that she had helped like she had taken part in like driving abusers out of community right and she was like quite proud of herself for right, this right she like made a website or something and I was just like okay <laughs> you're like I have to go <laughs> this is like a little alarm going off you know and I'm very scared and so whatever but it's like yeah, and then there's, like, other situations where it's, like, you know, people... Because one of the ways that I have dealt with all of this is to make myself as loudly, like, who I am as possible. Yeah. And because I'm, like, I have a reputation, like, people know who I am, like, it's a way to weed people out because it's, like, you know, if you've heard of me, then you have an opinion one way or another. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fucking like it, then great. Yeah. Please move on. Yeah. Um, but then there are people who, like, are, like, yeah, your podcast is cool and, like, whatever, but then they'll still sometimes say things... That are like quite nexusy, and it's a bit scary. Yeah, I'm a bit scared. I think I have like more tolerance for that than you do in general, but it is like very. It's like really hard to know what to do with that. You know. Yeah. I honestly don't have very good like advice or anything. Yeah, I don't think we have an answer for this one. Yeah, but if just, anyone else does, tricky, let us you know. know. It's tricky, and like yeah, like the nexus is it's like fucking it's a weird phenomenon, you know, which is like one of the reasons why we gave it this name. Like I think that we kind of had plans to like analyze it very, at least I did, sort of like very very deeply and sort of figure out what kind of a thing it is. But you know, <laughs> um, we never really totally got around to that. But like it's it, because it isn't a cult, you know, and it also isn't a politics. It's like it's like this kind of weird in between thing, and it's really colored by the way that it 
interacts with slash like sort of like lives on social media, you know, and what that means is that people like lots and lots of people can get exposed to ideas that originate within the Nexus without really being like true like members of the Nexus. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's like these, like these gradations of membership, you know? Yeah. And also it's now in the past few years, especially really, um, emerged in a lot of organizations like whether that be like literally like i don't know like the school board of some school or like you know any sort of because what it does is it's like if somebody is like hey racism matters like you know homophobia matters then the only answer is the nexus right like it's filled that gap completely completely so that it's like to say that you don't like the Nexus is to say that you don't care about those things. And they have completely pushed out any other type of response to things like racism, homophobia, sexism, et cetera. And so basically it creates a situation where people are just like, well, we do want to care about those things and we do want to have our organizations and our, our spaces like, you know, considering those things. And so we have to bring in like Nexus ideology. Um, and we can't challenge Nexus ideology. And so like in this way, you know, and it's like, like, the hilarious thing is that, you know, the reason that it's been so successful is because people do care about oppression. Yeah. Because they do not want to be assholes to people, and they are trying to do the right thing, you know? And so that's good, but unfortunately that positive impulse has been manipulated um, to basically, you know, make people swallow, like, fundamentalist orthodoxies and not allow a diversity of thought. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's like... In, in the American culture war, which unfortunately we're all fighting now, you know, it's like people, because people join the Nexus. Okay, I'm just going on. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, go I'm going, it. I'm going. People join the Nexus in different ways, like for different reasons, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that like we very much came through like being like the left, like politically left. I think for you it was kind of like around like feminism. And for me it was like a lot around like anarchism and whatever. We, and we, also queer stuff. And queer stuff for sure. But we found our way there. Um... I think through a more political path than some other people, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think there's other people who arrive um, in the Nexus because of the culture war, because they chose like a side in the right. culture war, you okay, know? Yeah. And like the Nexus is like the Pepsi side of the culture war, right? Right. And then like MAGA is like the Coke side of the culture oh, war, no. and they're fucking arguing about it, you know? And and like yeah, and so this is why you get this situation where when you say you're not a Nexus, people just immediately assume. That you're right wing. It it also means that like a lot of institutions sort of feel like they need to like pick a side in the culture war. You know what I mean? And and there's only two sides. Yeah. You can't you can't be like a non-identitarian class first socialist in the culture war. Like it doesn't exist. That's not one of the sides. Yeah. You know, you're Pepsi or you're Coke. You're not allowed to be Fanta or whatever, you know? Yeah. So um, this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it means that you end up with these situations where people have been exposed to like nexus talking points, but they're not really like fucking true believers. They're yeah. not really like these like intense cancel people. And also it, it also ends up with these crazy situations where like you can just like meet someone who like appears to be like pretty normal and then they fucking like say something and you're like, holy fuck, you're like one of the scariest people I've ever met. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the only advice I would give for this, at least what I do, is I try to just be as honest and transparent about my beliefs as possible in all situations. Yeah. I have very often put on my dating app profiles that I oppose cancel culture. <laughs> like, literally, because I'm just like, I literally don't want to go on a date with someone who is 
into cancel culture. Yeah. It's not attractive to me. It's not hot. Yeah. It's not making me feel safe and comfortable. Yeah. So I'm not interested. And so I would rather just sort of like lead with like what I believe. And if people don't like it, that's fine. And they, if they don't want to be around me, that's fine. And then by being honest, I can attract people who are more on the same page as me or who are at the very least like tolerant of different perspectives and are not demanding that I conform to their worldview. Yeah, totally. I think I have a line on mine that's something like, um, it's just about how like I, I create, like I do work or whatever around like trying to, trying to figure out why the left is like eating itself alive and like how to stop it or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something like that. And I find that that's like a good one. It's like less direct than the way that you do it, you know, but it's good because it's like a litmus test and like the way that people respond to that says like a lot about how like if I can then trust them, you know? So yeah, it's just like a different kind of strategy, but yeah, it's a tricky one. Maybe we'll uh, come up with uh well, you know how it goes. Yeah. Well, you know how it goes. Maybe it's a whole episode. It's unfolding. Happen. It's all unfolding. Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, if you guys love the podcast and you, you want to help us stay afloat, you should check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash fucking canceled. We yeah. really appreciate the support. We really appreciate the support. It's been um, super helpful in keeping this going. Um, yeah. Anything else we need to say? Um, oh, yo, one of our fucking patron, Patreon patrons um, sent us... A fucking new mic. Oh, yeah. Which what, we haven't used yet. What a cool guy. We're going to set that up for our next episode. Yeah, so hopefully the uh, sound quality will be improving. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to have two mics instead of just, like, huddling over one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what a fucking cool guy, man. Yeah. So thank you to that patron. That's extremely nice of you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can email us, fuckingcancelgmail.com. No, you and fucking two L's and canceled. And, like, please be patient because we take a long time to reply. Yeah. Um, and, uh... Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.